Okay, um, there we go. Halfway through Midas Touch Live, just participate. And all of that helps grow this independent media platforms and pays for the research and the editing and all of that. We don't have outside investors, so that's one of the ways we fund this operation. All right, I'll back in Ben, back in Ben's day, they called the emojis hieroglyphics. <laughs> cold blooded, cold blooded. It's rough. All right. Speaking of cold blooded, this is Pence's former chief of staff, Mark Short, ripping Donald Trump for his pardon. And one of the weekend shows played the clip. And when it comes to pardons, you know, candidly, one of the most unseemly parts of the end of our administration was the pardons that Donald Trump gave to cocaine traffickers, to family members, to people who guilty of violent crimes. And so I think we have to have a real conversation. What would people actually do with the power of a pardon? There's a couple people on that stage that have been governors understand it. But I think if you look actually at even Donald Trump's record when it came to pardons, it was indefensible of people getting $750,000 to lobbyists to try to gain a pardon. It's, it's a meritorious question for all of us to how you handle a pardon and the power of it. What's so good about that clip is there, former Vice President, Chief of Staff Mark Short, is basically sending a message to the DOJ and Jack Smith, like, hey, 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 I hear you may be involved in other investigations. How about we focus on the pardons? Put me in, coach. Coach, put me in. I'm ready to talk about it. That's what he was. That's what he was doing there, Brett and Jordy. Yeah, no, it, it couldn't. It couldn't be clearer. Hey, pardons, and what was that about seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? And uh, we're talking and, about we're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, cocaine yeah. dealers. Anyone? <laughs> anyone? You, are you are you hearing me? Hello. It might as well have been hello. <laughs> talking about cocaine dealers, everybody. All right, um, let's play this next clip. This is Bill Barr, who's just been a thorn in Trump's side right now. After Bill Barr. Did yeah, all the rats are jumping ship to cover yeah. up everybody's, Donald Trump's everybody's, crimes. Uh, um, on, uh, and Donald Trump members, turned on Bill Barr immediately, called Bill Barr like a, a gutless pig and a coward. And Bill Barr's just out there every so day. Wait, 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 you're about to lose this shit. You got to do press unlock with your. Th uh. All right, let's get back to the show, man. Right now, just showing how ridiculous Trump's legal theory is. Brett. To your point, it's like, I don't have Absurds. respect for Bill Barr, but when he's saying the truth like this, it certainly reinforces when even you've lost Bill Barr. Huh? And, and he, what is the matter? Douchebag like play this Bill play? Barr. Do you believe he lied to the Justice Department? Do I personally believe it? Yes. <laughs> and do you believe that... <laughs> that he, he continues to claim that he has all these privileges and rights under the Presidential Records Act. Is he mischaracterizing the act? It, 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 absolutely. <laughs> uh, the, the legal theory by which he gets to take battle absolutely. plans and, and sensitive national security information as his personal papers is absurd. It's just as wacky as the legal doctrine they came up with for you know having the vice president unilaterally determine who won the election. The whole purpose of the statute, the Presidential Records Act, is was to stop presidents from taking official documents out of the White House. It was passed after Watergate. That's the whole purpose of it. And therefore, it restricted what a president can take. It says it's purely private. That had nothing to do with uh, the uh, deliberations National of government National secrets. Obviously, these documents are not purely private. It's, it's obvious. And 
they're not even now arguing that it's purely private. What they're saying is the president just has sweeping discretion to say they are, even though they squarely don't fall within the definition. It's an absurd argument. I just like when they ask him, like, so do you believe he lied? He goes, personally, yeah. Um, he goes, so what do you think about his theory? <laughs> the theory is completely and utterly absurd. Donald Trump can't <laughs> steal classified records and nuclear codes and then just claim that they're personal records. But notice what he did there as well, which is, again, very intentional. He then says it's just as wacky as Donald Trump's January 6th theory. So this signal there, it's very intentionally done. Hmm. The message there to special counsel Jack Smith and to others who are watching is, I don't have his back on the January 6th criminal investigation anymore. Because notice, in, fact, in the past, ask Bill Barr me, day, I'll tell you all about it. January 6th. But Bill Barr is basically saying, okay, I'm not just going against you in the document case. Because that's just where Bill Barr's position was before. He, on his own, brought up January 6th. Mm. And the Fox or the interviewer didn't follow up there, rather. Um, and should have followed up in, in, in that interview. But that's what Bill Barr was saying. It's a great observation. A ask me about it. Ask me future questions on the January 6th insurrection, and I'll basically also say Donald Trump committed crimes, which he didn't. By the way, so the response that was on Face the Nation, um, the response by people who are part of this MAGA Republican cult still, and we're going to compare in a little bit these interviews with who remains in the Republican Party, and, and you'll just see, like, okay, they're basically the party of Paul Gosar and James Comer and Jim Jordan. But here's Mark Levin. This is my Mark Levin impression. Mark Levin uh. is the angriest, most ignorant man in the world. <laughs> like one of them. Like well, he's up there, right? Like he literally talks like this. Like, I mean, <laughs> Everything he says really... is angry. And here, <laughs> Mark Levin, one of Donald Trump's biggest right-wing propagandists, responds to Bill Barr. Bill Barr, this is where the MAGA Republicans are. He goes, a very angry and ignorant man. Do we have the post? This is what Mark Levin posted. Like, literally describing himself. Like, if you took away the image below and just had Mark Levin's face, and then it said a very <laughs> angry and ignorant man, it would be like this perfect tombstone one day. Yeah, it would like be like he signed the note. Like he signed the note. He's signing off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> signing off. Like a photo of him. Like yeah. he just needed arrow pointing yeah, just, to his face. And it, and it, basically, <laughs> it basically does it. All right. This is Trump's former national security advisor. Like he's like his top people. <laughs> like these ten are to one. Like ten to one, Ben. Ten to like one. Random ten people. To one. <laughs> like, ten like to one, I hire the best. This is Tom This is former Trump national security advisor John Bolton. Please. New York Times has been reporting that former President Trump was obsessed with these classified documents, and aides described him uh, described these documents as his beautiful mind materials. Is that consistent with what you saw when you were his national security advisor? And was there any one particular document that stuck out to you that he, he was obsessed with? Well, I think he, he was kind of a, uh, a collector of things that uh, he thought were of interest to him for some reason or another, uh, clippings, uh, 
mementos, uh, classified documents. Uh, and it was very disturbing. We could see in the course of meetings with him, intelligence briefings, decision meetings, that sometimes he liked to retain things. And uh, it became the practice just to make sure that we got them back in as many cases as we could. Uh, obviously, we failed in many cases. But it was a, it was a pattern that was uh, evident to me from sort of my earliest Did he days. ever ask you to hold on to a document that concerned you? Well, there were some that uh, we did get back. Others, uh, the most, the most famous that uh, to me demonstrates why I, I don't need to read the indictment or believe its uh, allegations are true. Although I'm pretty confident they are, was the famous tweet that he uh, did after getting an overhead picture of a failed Iranian missile launch, which uh, he was shown during an intelligence briefing, didn't give back, and it was tweeted. Uh, before the uh, intelligence officials got back to their offices. There's utterly no excuse for that. There's no conceivable reason for that, except it made him feel good to be able to do it. That, that's one example, but it's typical of the mindset, in my view. You realize that John Bolton is describing a literal baby right there. <laughs> like, like the description, <laughs> we would give him a document and he wouldn't give it back. He would just take it and go, mine, my beautiful mind document. Beautiful mind documents. They would call them my beautiful mind documents. They were calling Trump crazy. Like, you didn't realize that's what they were saying. Like, the, the people closest to Trump were calling the documents that he hoarded beautiful mind documents, as in the movie A Beautiful Mind. They were saying that Donald Trump was nuts. Like, that's like what that's what they were saying about him. It's absolutely. And for those listening, uh, he would. John Bolton was on. Jen Psaki's MSNBC show. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I just want to. I just want to make sure that that is clear. He was on Jen Psaki, former Biden White House press secretary. Jen Psaki's <laughs> MSNBC show. Like, could you have ever imagined? Oh my! But here's the thing, well, though, because we're facing an existential threat to our democracy. Like, let's, you know, we're having good fun on this show as we often do. But let's be clear: in this pro-democracy coalition. We need to save our Constitution. We mm -hmm. need to preserve, protect our democracy. So if John Bolton wants to go on MSNBC and expose Donald Trump, I am all for it. And I welcome in our pro-democracy community, obviously there's liberals and progressives and independents and people not affiliated with political parties, but I welcome real conservatives like people not this mega republican crap that's not real conservatism that's just like fascist idiocracy crap right there i'm talking about people we could have disagreements on issues let's try to solve problems together but none of this mega fascist idiocracy wearing ar-15 pin george santos marjorie taylor green lauren bobert trotting around Jim Jordan sleeve rolled up, James Comer fake whistleblower, Matt Gates stupidity <laughs> crap, okay? That is not conservatism. That's just crazy idiocracy and should have no place in our democracy. Let me show you this next clip. This is Trump's former Secretary of Defense. <laughs> That was a good rant. Chris Christie, but you know, but because Chris Christie's a pretty funny. Guy. I, I mean, in the I mean, in the administration, like who has not come out on TV? Ten to one, Brett. Ten to one. Ten to one. Ten to one. Ten to one. Here is my, my former mistake. Secretary of Defense. Can't Mark make a clip Espo though. Do you think his actions put America's national security at risk? 
of your rant, then but the clip function is not enabled, sad face. Revelations are very troubling, disturbing, and, and yes I do, if the allegations Mark are true that contain information about our nation's security, about uh, our vulnerabilities, about other items, it, it, it could be quite harmful to the nation. And look, uh, no one is above the law. And so I think this process needs to play out, and uh, uh, and people held to account, the president held to account. Finally, let's play this clip of Chris Christie. By the way, I'm not going to say that we invented the petulant child, and, and, but we certainly have been calling Trump petulant. There was a whole article like giving Chris Christie credit for the petulant child line in this clip, and I just wanted to say that we've been using petulant child. Very, 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 very close. Now look, either Donald Trump, if you believe what he said when they left, that means he didn't pick the very best people and doesn't know how to pick personnel. If you believe what about the, what he said at the beginning, the great stuff, then this guy is the worst manager in the history of the American presidency. Either way, Republicans should listen to what he says. He's a petulant child when someone disagrees with him. And whether it's Bill Barr or John Kelly or General Mattis, whether it is Nick Mulvaney or whether it's excuse me, General Milley, uh, if you disagree with Donald Trump, the petulant child comes out and he calls you names like the ones you just mentioned and the ones I mentioned. Let's compare all of that now. He's on point. What he's saying is true. Have you ever seen anything like this? Like, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in American history, where you have so many people from a, a former president's cabinet, former president's top advisors, coming out to so forcefully come out against him on TV, especially this soon after uh, an election. And it's truly an incredible thing that any single one of these clips, any single one of these statements, back in the day would have led the news cycle for like weeks. It would have been like the biggest bombshell. And now it's just every day. Everybody coming out of the woodwork. shut down Donald Trump. And you gotta wonder, like, who is left By the time these people came out of the word work and jumped it ship seems like, like rats. everybody who has some semblance of a spine whatsoever, even if it's a very fragile spine, has rejected this Trumpism, has rejected the magical. So who do we have left? We have people like the both Ben mentioned before. We have people like Paul Gosar, Marjorie Taylor Greene, we have Warren Gober, 
the people who frankly could never be hired for any normal job in society who are utterly unemployable by any single standard are now the standard bearers of the Republican Party. And Paul Gosar is one of the sickest of all of these MAGA Republicans. But I honestly, I mean that in every way imaginable. But this guy is, is truly a deranged guy. Paul Gosar is a guy who literally attends Nazi conventions, literally goes to Nazi events, speaks with Nazis, speaks with white nationalists all the time, speaks openly about wanting to basically overthrow the government, wanting to shoot immigrants. He is the most anti-American, one of the most hateful people on the planet, and even his own family has disowned him. So what did Paul Gosar say recently? Let's play the clip and we'll talk about it. I, I like the fact that he said it was an opportunity. And I want to go back to those, to those uh, videotapes. The picture's worth a thousand words, is it? Correct. Yes. They're all going to come after us. Yes, sir. So it seems to me like we ought to be making this big push and, and maybe turn the tide. And for example, how about bounty? I think everybody's got these. I'm looking, looking at those, those tapes as to other people that are undercover in TIFA. So if I follow absolutely. Why is he like I mean, flailing his head like that? Well, I don't know why it's doing that. Secret areas, Navajo Nation. My, my former mistake. Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper on J. Do you think his actions put America's national security at risk? Well, the revelations are very troubling, disturbing, and, and yes, I do. If the allegations are true that it contained information about our nation's security, about uh, our vulnerabilities, about other items, it, it, it could be quite harmful to the nation. And look, uh, no one is above the law. And so I think this process needs to play out and uh, uh, and people held to account. The president held to account. I wonder if he's running for president. Finally, let's play this clip. By the way, I'm not going to say that we invented petulant child, and, and, but we certainly have been calling I, Trump petulant. There was a whole article like giving Chris Christie credit for the petulant child line in this clip. And I just want to say that we've been using petulant child for a very, very, very long time. Now look, either Donald Trump, if you believe what he said when they left, that means he didn't pick the very best people and doesn't know how to pick personnel. If you believe what about the, what he said at the beginning, the great stuff, then this guy is the worst manager in the history of the American presidency. Either way, Republicans should listen to what he says He's a petulant child when someone disagrees with him. And when 
Bill Barr or John Kelly or General Mattis, whether it is Mick Mulvaney or whether it's excuse me, General Milley, uh, if you disagree with Donald Trump, the petulant child comes out and he calls you names like the ones you just mentioned and the ones I mentioned. He's on point. What he's saying is true. Have you ever seen anything like this? Like, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in American history, where you have so many people from a, a former president's captain, former president's top advisors, coming out to so forcefully come out against him on TV, especially this soon after uh, an election. And it's truly an incredible thing that any single one of these clips, any single one of these things, back in the day would have led the news cycle for like weeks. It would have been like the biggest bombshell. And now it's just every day, everybody coming out of the woodwork to shut down Donald Trump. And you gotta wonder, like, who is left in this Republican party? It seems like everybody who has some semblance of a spine whatsoever, even if it's a very fragile spine, has rejected this Trumpism, has rejected the magnitude. So who do we have left? We have people like the folks Ben mentioned before. We have people like Paul Gosar, Marjorie Taylor Greene. We have Warren Bober, the people who frankly could never be hired for any normal job in society who are utterly unemployable by any single standard are now the standard bearers of the Republican Party. And Paul Gosar is one of the sickest of all of these MAGA Republicans. And I honestly, I mean that in every way imaginable, but this guy is, is truly a deranged guy. Paul Gosar is a guy who literally attends Nazi conventions, literally goes to Nazi events, speaks with Nazis, speaks with white nationalists all the time speaks openly about wanting to basically overthrow the government, wanting to shoot immigrants. He is the most anti-American, one of the most hateful people on the planet, and even his own family has disowned him. So what did Paul Gosar say recently? Let's play the clip and we'll, we'll talk about it. I, I like the fact that he said it was an opportunity. And I want to go back to those, to those uh, videotapes. The picture's worth a thousand dollars, is it? Correct. Yes. They're all going to come after us. Yes, sir. So it seems to me like we ought to be making this big push and, and maybe turn the tide. And for example, how about a bounty? Make everybody's deputy. Look, look it's so weird. I was surprised to other people that are undercover. Maybe it's heads. It's a pipe bomb, right? Absolutely. Jerky motion. Very strange. I mean, uh, what do you even say to that? What do you even say to that? 
What he said there was absolutely a horrifying, horrifying statement. Like, just to clarify what he said, he said he wants to make everybody deputies and offer them a bounty for every court undercover law enforcement and Antifa that they could identify in January 6th. Like, Now, removed and prosecuted. Okay, so I said, mm, why is he and the 160 other insurrectionists still in office? Y'all didn't make a noise, that's why. It's, it's the fascist burden talk, that, that really gets it. Here's the thing. The one thing that MAGA Republicans said they wanted to do to screw over the Capitol Police, ah. they said they were going to publish all of the surveillance footage from January 6th, right? Even though that would be very, very, very dangerous. And then they realized, whoa, wait a minute. If we actually publish the surveillance footage, then people are going to be able to, to help the DOJ by crowdsourcing. Suspicious. Very suspicious that Paul Gosar talks about the pipe bomber. Pipe bomber was probably who all the right wing extremists were who were there that they haven't found yet. So they're like, okay, so we just gotta give snippets to Tucker and that guy John Solomon. The exact tactic of like authoritarian propaganda. That you see in Russia where they edit stuff and show stuff, and you know, and then and then look, here's a person walking down a hallway. Oh, and look. then you take it to another level. How is level it the Justice Department like, so allowed all that? Deputies.
Literally. How is it the Justice Department allowed all that 44,000 hours of the surveillance footage to go into the hands of Sean Hannity and the House Republicans who carried out the attack with Trump? That's letting the Farks guard the hen house, literally. Look through the footage, and he, they don't even understand their own existing lies that they're the ones now not releasing the footage that they claim they were going huh. to release because people were like, great, we'll crowdsource and find other instructions. <laughs> release it all. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do the work. Like, oh, shit, yeah. we can't do that. Where's the rest <laughs> of the footage, fuckers? Plot right there. And speaking about losing their own plots or just inventing a plot that never existed, here is James Comer on his continued tour of humiliation, which these MAGA Republicans simply don't care about, where... Comer just uh, each week lies about a new Biden fake scandal that he creates. There's a Russian oligarch. Where the modern day MAGA Republican Party is, is trying to. The Republicans' job is to obstruct. figure out now how they can protect they're complicit. a Russian oligarch who previously tried to launder disinformation through Rudy Giuliani to undermine our democracy. The modern-day MAGA Republican Party is pro-Russian oligarch. Mm -hmm. And they go out, and, and you'll see in this clip, James Comer's like, Unfortunately, we can't speak with right now this Russian oligarch. What do you mean, unfortunately? He's the, he's the freaking enemy. What are you talking about? He's Putin's buddy. He's Putin's buddy. What, what are you even referring to? The Russian oligarch who wants to destroy our democracy. Maybe that would be the first indicator of bias. Uh, working for Putin. <laughs> Don't you think working for Putin would be the first sign of... So the kids call already. here. For the MAGA Republicans, they're like... How can we protect him? Here, pl play this clip of Comer. With respect to the tapes, look, it mentioned in the FBI form that the oligarch had uh, 17 tapes of Biden, two with Joe Biden, except in the bribe, that he used that as an insurance this, policy. This oligarch the, the is a high-ranking, was a high-ranking member uh, or owner of Burisma? Yes, that is exactly right. So have you, you had, have you had any contact you with him? Unfortunately, nobody's had any contact with him for the last three years. You know, the, the MSNBC makes fun of me when I said that there are a lot of people that were involved in uh, the Biden shenanigans that, that are, are currently missing. But with, with respect to this oligarch, we think we know where he is. Uh, he just hasn't been seen in public in a long time. I don't know. Huh? Everybody okay,
What do you mean, unfortunately? The guy's trying to destroy our democracy, you freaking idiot. At least they're finally admitting that the information is from the Russian Remember we were talking about that six weeks ago? It's like, yeah, they were actually like, it was like a real whistleblower. You go back to our podcast six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, day one. We were Big Wicks whistleblower hoax. Everybody, it's a Russian oligarch. They, they're now at the point where it takes eight weeks for them to admit there are no tapes. The source is a Russian oligarch. Because they're they complicit. Where, where the Russian oligarch is. But the corporate Democrats have no spine. And they love all the campaign contributions they get from milking the situation instead of doing their job and expelling all the traitors. Okay, so the Republicans' job is to obstruct because they're complicit. Insurrection, not interaction. Surrection. And They want to protect him. It's part of this, this political. It is the dumbest and deranged political part. The movie idiocracy makes this MAGA Republican. <laughs> truthfully, I mean, like we said in the last episode, everything these Republicans say is a lie. Like I cannot even remember the past time they told they told the truth, and the lies that they tell are so obvious and so large. That it just seems so ridiculous, but that's all by design, right? The, the bigger the lie, the famous Voltaire quote, if you can make people believe absurdities, you can have them commit atrocities. Um, paraphrasing uh, there from memory. But um, that's the gist of the Republican Party. And, you know, not, not to spend a whole load of time on it, but it was like, uh, you know, over the weekend when they held L.A. Uh, Pride Night at the Dodgers game. And, like, all the Republicans rushed to say... It was completely empty. Everybody boycotted it. Well done, uh, conservatives. Well, well done, conservatives. We really, really, really did it. The stadium, no one showed up. No one showed up to the game. And, like, all you had to do was turn on the TV to see tens of thousands of fans at this Dodgers game. Not only did people show up to the game, but they actually had more people show up to this game then show up to the normal games. The game was actually sold out, and they had an attendance of 49,074 people compared to the league. <laughs> like, like, don't you think, like, they say like most, is why. Don't you think, like, most Americans, though, are looking at that, and they're just wondering, like, wait, okay, what's the new one? Okay, wait, wait. We're boycotting the Dodgers now. What are we winning here? Okay, we, okay, we were doing Bud Light. <laughs> and now, and, and then Target, and then somehow 
Mr. Potato Head Eric. Are we still doing Eric? Are we still doing uh, guest stoves? <laughs> are, we, are we on to Eric? What, and what about the M&M? Does anyone know the M&M? I mean, M&M, are, are we okay with the purple M&M? Or is the purple, uh, the Little Mermaid, how, how do we feel about, we don't like the Little Mermaid right now? Pro or against the Super Mario movie? Yeah, <laughs> Mario, are we pro? Depends on how well it does at the box office. Then we'll, then I mean, this is in. what this is like. Imagine going through those issues while the Democrats are talking about jobs and yep. healthcare and social security and seniors and and, and lowering prescription drug prices. And, and the, I mean, the, but the the problem is, is lying and telling those big lies is easy, right? It's easy to make something up that sounds provocative and get that message across. But sometimes explaining the nuances of a situation, delving into facts, delving into statistics could be much more complicated. But the truth is, there are ways to present information, factual information, that is not complicated. But there are truly very few people out there in the Democratic Party who are able to actually combat this disinformation head on. And somebody who we've seen recently who is truly, truly incredible at pushing back on the lies and pushing back at this constant gaslighting, this post-truth narrative that we see from the Republicans is California Governor Gavin Newsom, who went on Hannity's show on Fox, which to most people I would recommend do not go on there, right? You would say, just a bad idea. Like, why, why give the guy any legitimacy? You know he's just going to speak over you. But there are a few people who actually have the skill to go on these shows. I would say Pete Buttigieg is, is another person like that. And who's actually able to combat the disinformation head on. Gavin Newsom confronted Sean Hannity on his own show, made Sean Hannity look like an utter fool just by spouting facts. And in this clip we'll show you, it's where Hannity is trying to act like California has like the worst economy. While California is one of the top economies in the entire world, Hannity starts saying how much he loves, you know, look at the brilliant economies of, uh, what do you say, Missouri and Alabama. You know, he, he starts uh, spouting off Mississippi. Mississippi. He starts spouting off all these, all these red states. And Gavin Newsom claps back with just a clear assessment of the facts. And I don't think Hannity also knew what he was going to get with this interview. But it certainly did not go the way he expected. Here's this clip of Gavin Newsom on Hannity, which is excellent. This is the obvious way to be the largest economy in the world. What are you arguing for? Mississippi's economic policy? Is that, I mean, literally, that's if what you're, you're arguing for. Me, if I wanted great, if I wanted the Kansas policy, I mean, it was a debacle. No economic is, growth. 71% of the GDP in America are blue counties. I would say 71% of the GDP it's in America are blue centers. counties. Progressive policies. Okay, that are paying high taxes. And 71% of the country is seven of the top 10 dependent states. Right. Let's say you're subsidizing your states, son. That's because of your policy. I'm in New York. Yeah. You're not subsidizing anything from but me. But your philosophy. I'm getting the hell out of New York, though. I'm, I, Mississippi, Alabama, I'm all for it over, over New York or all California. Right. Yeah. I love Mississippi. But what you're saying, I'm, I'm sure, look, it's not personal. No, none of it.
It's like, such like, a funny, like, Hannity, are you going to say the same thing? Like, when 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 Hannity is at the end, like, you're, you're not subsidizing my state. I live in New York. <laughs> and, then, and then he realizes he had to, like, remember his plot, too. He goes, well, wait a minute. I, I'm supposed to hate the state that I live in. I'm, but I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm moving to Alabama. Like, I'm, I'm sure his bags are packed and he's already on his way. You realize that you could have done that. Uh, yeah, you, 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 you could do that whenever you want to do that. Like, literally, the company that you work for is based in New York. You could be New headquartered York. anywhere. They made a deliberate choice to be headquartered in New York. And most of those hosts on Fox who talk so much smack about blue cities and liberal hellholes, they all live in luxurious apartments or condos in New York City. They've made it their home. They don't. You don't have to live there. You could live anywhere you want, right? They've chosen to live in New York, in the liberal hellhole, because they are liars. They are all actors playing a part, acting like they are holding the elites accountable, holding the liars accountable, when they are the elites and they are the liars from their mm -hmm. high-rise condos. We have their text messages. Right in the Dominion lawsuit, we got their messages. In their messages, they like like yeah yeah, our viewers are idiots. <laughs> like they spend more time mocking their viewers than anybody else, and and their viewers you know just whatever keep all good. No, that's deep. that's the deep state. What what are, what are we mad at today? Mm -hmm. oh, Doctor Seuss. Okay, okay, Doctor Seuss, everybody. We're, 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 we're mad at Doctor Seuss. What are we mad at? The number six. Okay, number seven, like, 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 where is this going, like, where does it go next with this utter, utter absurd? One legal, uh, piece of legal news from today that I just want to discuss some breath. I want to turn it over to you to talk about some Biden wins, though, is that uh, Jack Smith, end of last week, filed a motion for a protective order on discovery material in the Trump criminal federal case. It was granted by Magistrate Judge Bruce. Reinhardt, Judge actually made the correct ruling, her first ruling was the correct one, referring this to Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhardt um, to rule on, who granted this protective order. Um, the motion had been filed without objection from Trump and Nauta's lawyers. The order requires Trump and Nauta only have access to discovery materials. under the direct supervision of counsel or counsel staff, and it restricts their disclosure of evidence to the public and to the press. Violations of that order could result in contempt of court or civil or criminal sanctions, and that's one of a number of pretrial rulings that Judge Magistrate Reinhardt 
will be responsible for. But Brett, I want you to tell us about some President Biden wins, got a big endorsement, endorsements from some labor unions, and it's definitely worth discussing the costs of the Infrastructure Act, this manufacturing boom we're seeing materialize. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really interesting to see, and it's just such a stark contrast. Like, and, and, you know, it's one of the reasons we structured this episode like this also. You've seen the Republican corruption. You've seen their lies. You've seen their utter incompetence. You've seen their culture war distractions. And now you're getting a chance to see what actual good governance looks like. And I think that's important to see actual competence um, in our country, that there are still people who know what getting into government is all about, is all about, and are there for the correct reason. And even before we get into Biden, I just want to quickly give a huge shout out, also, Jordy, to yes. your governor in Pennsylvania, Governor Josh Shapiro, because uh, last week I'm sure a lot of people saw the news about this bridge collapse. There was a, a fiery crash, a gasoline tanker truck truck caused the collapse of a, a section of the I-95 in Philadelphia, and this is like a, a very important uh, bridge that uh, you know, massive, a lot of crew traffic absolutely massive. And all the predictions were going to be that it was going to be months and months and months before this reopened uh, back up. And, but what did, you know, what did Governor Josh Shapiro do? What did President Biden do? What did Pete Buttigieg do? Did they try to distract people with culture war nonsense? No, they got right into action and they went to figure out how they were going to solve this problem. And Governor Josh Shapiro came out the other day with President Biden, and he announced that this bridge was going to be back up and running for traffic within the next two weeks. Within the next two weeks. I mean, can you imagine if this Riano, the guy he was running against, was there? This bridge would have taken months, like if it ever got fixed whatsoever. And here you have an example of a horrific problem that happened in the state. And as we say on the show often, you want the right people in the position of power to be able to act to things that happen. And we're lucky that Josh Shapiro was there, that Joe Biden was there. And President Biden said that the federal government's going to reimburse the state for the first phase of the reconstruction. They're going to contribute 90% of the cost after. I mean, that bridge reopening to traffic in two weeks is absolutely incredible. And one of the things they're doing also that's super brilliant is they set up all these live stream cameras and people could actually watch the progress uh, being made on the bridge. They could transparency. go online. There's a link. The transparency is incredible. And, and it's become like its own viral sensation. Like people are making memes. Like, what are you doing on the Saturday night? Watching the I-95. Like it's become its own kind of meme also, which I think is <laughs> super cool and, and, and super funny. So I just want to give a huge shout out, Jordy, um, yes. to, you, to, to your governor. Because like something like over 160,000 vehicles a day would normally pass um, that overpass. And so just to show you, you know, how important that is. But President Biden, you know, infrastructure is the name of the game. Labor is the name of the game. And I should mention Josh Shapiro also, of course, using uh, union labor to rebuild that bridge, um, which is super important. And it's no surprise, um, knowing what we know about this administration and President Biden's focuses, that President Biden has secured top labor endorsements, the nation's top Labor, labor organization, the AFL-CIO, endorsed President Biden's re-election campaign on Friday. That's a 
absolutely huge win for President Biden, and it's the earliest the AFL-CIO has ever voted to endorse a president in a presidential election, the earliest they've ever done it. So, you know, I think they're making a point also by coming out this role. Usually, like, they wait till the actual year of the election before even figuring out who they're going to endorse. Here, they stuck their flag in the ground and they said, we are with Joe. And, and the leadership of the AFL-CIO and of all these unions have said such positive things. And after they announced, more than a dozen unions also joined the AFL-CIO to announce their endorsements for Biden. Um, it's a huge victory, and I think it's because Biden is always speaking about labor. Biden always discusses the importance of labor unions and union workers in America, and I think that is a, a really important sign of priorities of each of the party. There was also a, another huge union, the Laborers International Union of North America. Um, they had endorsed uh, Biden earlier this month, and they cited the infrastructure law as one of the big reasons for why um, they decided to endorse Biden. And we, we, we posted their video, too, on our, our social media uh, channels as well. Um, they did like, a whole announcement video. Like, it, it's a really big deal. And Biden, in one of his first major uh, speeches uh, as a candidate running for president, he spoke at the AFL-CIO in, in Philadelphia, I believe. And it was in front of a, a massive crowd with thousands of people, um, all union members. Um, and, you know, I just reflect on... Uh, on like DeSantis, like what was DeSantis's first move um, when he announced the presidency and wanted to speak to people? The first thing he did was he held a private event with Wall Street, with Wall Street bankers, and then the next, his big public announcement was with venture capitalists and Elon Musk on a failed Twitter Spaces. Uh, like, look to what like these candidates do to show you who they are. I think it is absolutely incredibly revealing. I want to get to also just briefly hit on the manufacturing boom that we are seeing in the country. And Axios actually did like a, a phenomenal report on it, which I encourage everybody to read because I think it is the most single underlooked story of the Biden presidency. And it's something that's going to have a massive ripple effect for decades and decades to come. But first, I want to share this incredible moment that I saw over the weekend um, of Vice President Kamala Harris, because uh, VP Harris does not get nearly enough credit. She does not get nearly enough attention with the work that she does. And there was this incredibly beautiful moment that I want to share where VP Harris met a young girl at LAX airport here in, uh, in California, in Los Angeles. And the young girl told her uh, that it was her dream to become a Secret Service agent. And Kamala Harris got down with the young girl and empowered her to make the, her dream a reality in this incredibly beautiful moment. It's a little difficult to hear because of all the noise of the, the airplanes and, and everything going on, but I really wanted to share this with my screen.
lot of leadership to me is also like empathy. A little difficult to hear because of all the noise of the, the airplanes and, and everything going on, but I really wanted to share this with the Mets. to me is also like empathy right it's it's sure. being able to level with people being able to hear people um speak to people's needs and, you know just that being a good leader like the basics and could you ever imagine like a vice president doing something like that like and i love how she said you know like look at these secret service agents like, don't don't you see yourself in them like i i thought that was a really 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 beautiful moment now let's get back to america's manufacturing boom this axios report which um everybody needs to check out um they're reporting the massive new investments taking place in the u.s and they say that it's going to shape the entire landscape of the united states and infrastructure for years and years to come and that the united states has also become the envy of the world when it comes to manufacturing you have other countries right now being like damn we mm -hmm. cannot keep up with the united states and their manufacturing and their infrastructure pro projects and you look back to the 2010s you look back to the trump administration even after him talking about infrastructure week constantly you know constantly infrastructure week infrastructure week it became a punchline but now we actually have billions and billions and billions of dollars that are flooding into these massive projects to manufacture technology for the future and infrastructure for the future. All the things that President Biden's been speaking about with things like the chip back and the infrastructure act, um, batteries, solar cells, semiconductors, like things that are really going to power and shape the future in the United States. And these come from Biden's 
Biden's uh, legislation. This comes from the Infrastructure, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. It comes from the infrastructure law. It comes from the Chips and Science Bill. It doesn't just happen in a vacuum. And you have all this demand, of course, when you have these projects. What else do you have? You have a lot of hiring. You have a lot of union, good-paying, union, secure, good jobs. It's all related. And finally, after so long... Anyway, so I said, I don't think you guys have ever mentioned how Biden approved the Willow Project. Also, Biden bombed Syria at the beginning of his administration. What was all that about anyway? And I can never forgive Biden for turning away Haitian refugees. The United States is largely responsible for the chaos in Haiti. President, speaking about infrastructure, Biden is actually implementing these infrastructure projects. Here's a quote from uh, Joseph Quinlan, who's the head of CIO market strategy at uh, Maryland Bank of America Private Bank, said in a report, we believe the U.S. is in the early stages of a manufacturing super cycle. They're calling it a manufacturing super cycle. Quote, it's really gotten the attention of the world. When you talk to companies in South Korea, Japan, Europe, all they want to talk about is building out a presence in the U.S. And as of April, spending on manufacturing construction, that's new factories now tracking at a $189 billion annual rate, which is triple the average rate of the 2010s. we got a graphic here just to show you how stark of a difference that it is from the past. This is monumental, honestly. And this is the kind of thing that we may not all feel right now as the projects are being built, although we will see it in terms of jobs and people working good paying jobs, good paying union jobs, but this is actually going to help set America apart from other nations in the future, help future-proof this country. And to me, easily one of the most underreported, if not the single most underreported story happening right now with this administration, and we have to be highlighting this good news. And by the way, as China's economy also has been slowing down, and recent data suggests that they are going in the opposite direction of us. So for all of these talking points, right, about Biden strong, Biden this, Biden not, not being strong enough with China and all of these things, you know, when China's Secretary, going to implode. Secretary, Blinken, Secretary of State Blinken arrives in China, he's there in a position of strength. Um, and that recent trip, given Brett, the success that we're having now in manufacturing, um, this stuff needs to be talked about. I give Axios credit for reporting on it. Um, but this is stuff that we all need to be talking about and sharing this message. And, you know, as I mentioned, this show that we're watching, which you're watching, but I, we're, we're in this together, Midas Mighty community, you know, one of the things I love about the community is how you all are the best messengers of this as well. This is the number one show on all of YouTube in the entire world. And with that, though, comes the ability to help spread the message. The more this channel grows, the more we can help spread the truth and just spread the facts. All this stuff is verifiable. Yeah, and same thing about my podcast, so share my shit. Family members and friends and coworkers, Help me get out of this uh, no man's land. The show about DHS no man's land. About this pro-democracy community, continuing to grow this community, and just spreading the word. So share these videos, 
make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Again, I know Jordy will get mad at me if I don't mention it again. We've got the convicted <laughs> 145 pins that we're running out at store.midastouch.com. we got a bunch of other great gear as well at store.midastouch.com. As I mentioned, one of the ways to help support this channel is on the bottom of it. It's, it's a 